Hey, we're going to do something different this morning. Because different is good. Diff- yeah, yeah. Some, some, Sometimes. Some, hey, by the way, thanks. Sing some of those old, you know, some new renditions of some of those old hymns. That was pretty cool. You know, at this point, those new renditions of those old hymns are also old. Old, yeah, yeah. I know. But, you know, but the words are good. Yeah. The words, yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of the things we're doing this morning, we're, so here's, here's, here's a picture, right? We, uh, we've been working our way through the book of Galatians uh, for, the last, for the last 18 weeks. Long, long. And um, in that process, you know, we've been dealing with and trying to, uh, trying to grasp this concept of freedom in Christ. And, and uh, in the process of things, we're going to, by the way, next week, Communion Sunday, we're going to do a Communion Sunday sermon. And then the week after that, we're starting a series on the book of Joshua uh, and from the book of Joshua, we're talking about how to be a success. Ooh, yeah. So, I mean, you have success. I hear that's going to bring the house down. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nothing. At least the walls. All right. Oh, yeah. So, anyway, uh, yeah. So, anyway, yeah. No, you don't have to buy a handkerchief. We're going to talk about that, how to be a success from the book of Joshua. So, it, it's, a, it's a good segue. But here's, here's a crazy thing. As we were planning, we, there's a fifth week in August. You said we, and I just... Yeah, okay. So, so here's what... So as we're processing this information, we're saying, okay, so we've been through the book of Galatians now, and we've talked about freedom, but this isn't the only place that the Scripture talks about freedom. Uh, and, and I think that what we wanted to do, what we decided to do was we decided to take this, this Sunday, and we're going to try and work toward... Um, toward a worldview of freedom as a believer in Jesus Christ. What does it really mean from the book of Galatians when it says that we're free, and how do we live in this world? I think one of the things that Galatians is really concerned about, well, Paul is really concerned about with the letter, is that um, we can live in that space of Christian freedom, that we're not bound either to this place of legalistic rule following or in this place of... um, untethered, uh, do whatever you want, like, you know. Anarchy. anarchy yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, so uh, Paul walks a very careful line through the book of Galatians. And, and I think his, where, he wa- where he lands, we've talked about this a little bit over the last few weeks. He lands in a space of this is how this should change you. And then chapter 6, this is, should, this is how this information should change your faith community. Um, but all of that happens not because it's freedom, right? So it's not because we're following a list of rules, and it's not because we're going around doing whatever we want. So how? How do we then live? How do we figure out how to walk this, walk this in this space of freedom? And I think that comes back to that word you just mentioned, that idea of worldview, that we just process right. the world through a different kind of lens because of who we know in Jesus. Right. So our decision was, in dealing with that topic, that why not do it, but also do it the way we do our podcasts? Podcast? Did you know that we have a podcast? <laughs> I think we've mentioned it once yeah, or twice. Once yeah, once or twice. Yeah, yeah. And, and our podcast is inside the pastor's study, and on a, a regular basis every week, usually on Mondays, uh, Pastor Jeremy and I sit down and we cut a podcast that basically is a conversation between the two of us where we, we kind of work through some of those ideas, some of the stuff that we're, we're, we might use on a Sunday morning, uh, and some of that stuff that we just, in the process, say, no, no way, let's just throw that out. And then we just also just balloon it into other places. So 
we said, why don't we deal with this concept of freedom from Galatians mm -hmm. and put it into our podcast format, and let's see if we can come closer to that worldview, which is how do I, as a Christian, live a free life in our world? Yeah, and I think one of the things that we can run into when we take the New Testament is we take the New Testament as like the section that talks about Jesus and then this other section that Paul writes and a few of the other guys. And sometimes we, we separate those two things out, right? Like, okay, great, I have all the information about you know, Jesus, who Jesus was. It's almost, the Gospels almost function as their own separate their own section book. of the Bible. And then you have all of the writings and letters that come after that as their own separate section of the Bible. And so I think what we're going to try and do today is tie, what, where, tie Paul's worldview into what, how he's been shaped because of what he knows about the Gospel and about Jesus Christ. Right, so what we're doing this morning, here's, here's our direction. Okay. If we get there, awesome. If we don't, tune well, in tomorrow. Yeah. No. No. Anyway, um, so, so here's, here's our picture. We found three vignettes in the Gospels, three, three incidents in Jesus' life where he deals with this concept of freedom and following the rules. And what's even more awesome is that none of this, none of this is about Sabbath-keeping, because if we were just talking about whether you should, you know, whether you should heal people on the Sabbath or whether you should feed yourself on the Sabbath, some would look at that and say, oh, well, we're just talking about church stuff. So we, we found three scenarios, three places where Jesus uh, is talking about the rules, and it's not about, it's not about Sabbath keeping, it, it's about money. Because that was like, Jesus' second favorite topic was sure. money. Yeah. Right? So, but I think, again, just to tie this into where we all are as a church, I think one of the challenges that we have as a church culture and also that the church has as a culture in the United States is we have our Sunday morning selves and we have our Monday through Saturday right. selves. Right. And, and we hear this freedom conversation or this rule-following rule conversation surrounding Sabbath-keeping, and so we automatically tie that into church stuff. So this is who I am as a church-going Christian. Um, and then, so our, our concern was to not be there so that we didn't end up there like today. We want to be able to talk about Monday through Saturday Christians. How do we function in a world that wants nothing to do with Jesus and wants nothing to do with this church? How do, how do we survive in a place like that? All right, so the first picture we're going to look at. If you want to turn in your Bible with us and follow it, it's, it's great. Um, you can look at it. One of the things... One of the things that I find helpful when I'm hearing people talk about things that are in the Scripture, uh, and they've read the Scripture, and then they're talking, every once in a while just look down and see what the Scripture says and kind of hold us anchored to what we're doing. But first place I want you to go is I want you to go to John chapter 2, verses 13 to 17, and you've heard this story. You know this one, right? So it says, um, the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there and making a whip of cords. He drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen. He poured out the money or the coins of the money changers. He overturned their tables. Uh, he told those who, would, who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. And his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Okay, 
worldview. That's a worldview passage. That's a worldview passage about, in a sense, it's about freedom and, well, it's opposite, rule-keeping. Right? Awesome. Well, so here's, here's the deal, right? So there's a rule. Okay, we've got a couple of rules, as a matter of fact. Okay, so rule number one is um, that, that in Israel, right, right there, Ten Commandments, you shall not make a graven image of anything in this world. Of, of, you can't make a graven image of anything that lives and breathes. So no, no graven images of animals, no graven images of people, no graven images whatsoever. So there was, there was a, um, a high priest uh, in Israel... And he, uh, he, he was elected, sort of. He was, uh, he was actually, he paid the Romans a lot of money and he became high priest. And in the process of doing that, one of the things that happened was that the Roman government began minting coins and the coin had the stamp of, of the Caesar on it. The first one was Augustus. So Caesar Augustus starts minting coins with his face on it. And they are now the only legal tender in all, of, uh, in all of the Roman Empire, including Israel. So, here's the problem. A lot of Jewish people look at that coin, and it's got a graven image on it, and they're saying, how can I bring this into the temple if I'm going to uh, pay my temple tax? Or how can, I pay for, how can I pay for the sacrifice that I'm going to have, the sheep, the goats, the oxen? How am I going to pay for that with a coin that is uh, an idol on its very face? And, and so the, the, the chief priest actually went to Rome and he said, he said listen, my people are going to revolt over this issue. We have a law about graven images. And significantly, the Roman government said, all right, we understand that. You will be allowed to mint your own coin. And that coin will only be useful in the temple. So uh, it's, it's going to, you can make it look like whatever you want. Um, I've seen pictures of them. The one side has a tree on it. The other side has the menorah on it. They, they've they're unearthing these. By the way, they're unearthing these at like, you know, bags of them every day because they're now working through some of the trash uh, of the temple and they're finding this stuff on a daily basis. So he says, you can, they said, you can mint those coins. So people would come into the temple courts. They would have their Roman coins with Caesar's face on it. They would put that coin down and then they would have somebody that would issue to them coins of equal value in temple coins. Sort of. Right. And you understand the problem of this too, right? Because if you think about the, the Jewish faith at this time in history, they're spread all over the Roman Empire. They've been spread that way since, well, Babylon, ba Babylon, Babylon. right? And so if, you're gonna tr if you need to offer a sacrifice when you show up in Jerusalem, it's a lot easier to bring a sack of Roman coins and buy a perfect lamb that was raised in Bethlehem, or it, you can, you know, just carry the thing the whole way with you from wherever you're coming and just hope it doesn't get injured along the way, because if it yeah, does, that's it's useless. Work. Yeah, and, and so these people traveling from all over the world would bring money, Roman money, come in, and they would try and make that exchange happen. And then for others, it was just easier to buy the perfect lamb that came from the perfect lamb industry in the city where perfect lambs came from, just a few miles south of Jerusalem. Yeah, yeah. And so that was kind of the process. But the problem became you had this group of people who are exchanging things and they have their finger on the scale. Exchange rate. You experienced exchange rate. 
I was, at the, I was at the airport the other day, and they've got a kiosk set up there, and you can turn your dollars into pounds or euros or whatever currency you want to use, and they tell you what they're exchanging it for. And uh, guess what? You are not going to get the best exchange rate at the airport. They're going to charge you for the pleasure of giving you pounds or euros or whatever it is that you need. Right. And the exchange rate in the temple was outrageous. But it's not just the exchange rate, right? Right. And you think, I mean, even thinking back on this, tying into, old t tying into the Torah, you're tying into the writings, tying into the, um, into the wisdom literature, you have these statements, like these are the things that God hates and this last one he really, really hates. And one of them was this very concept. Like this one just fries, fries. God. Oh, yeah. makes him so upset. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But top of that off, it's like, have you, ever been to, have you ever been to Fenway Park and bought a hot dog? See, this connects everybody, right? You can, buy, you can buy a pound of hot dogs at Market Basket for like four bucks. Even the official Fenway ones. Yes, and, and then buy, a, you know, buy, a, buy a, you know, eight buns. No, you buy a dozen buns and eight hot dogs. Why is that? Anyway, uh, you, you buy the buns, right? And the buns cost you like 99 cents. You are now out five bucks for a pound of hot dogs. I haven't been to Fenway lately, but... $10 for a hot dog? For one. And they're not as good. Yeah, they're pretty good. Well, all right. It's the only thing good in there. Okay. <laughs> it's my lightning rod, just in yeah. case. Anyway. Um, yeah, so that's the thing, is that they were buying, they were buying their lambs, their oxen, their, their doves, their pigeons. Pigeons were the... Pigeons are the sacrifice of the poor. Yeah. Right? They're buying these things. First of all, they're getting gouged on the exchange rate, and then they go and buy the sacrifice, and the sacrifice is outrageously priced. And God hates that. So, and I think that's, like, we confuse this, right? When we read this passage, we think, Jesus just hates things for sale in church. Right, no. And, and we, like, I feel like that's been interpreted that way over the years. But really what Jesus hates is the abuse of people and the abuse of power here. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's the first thing to understand about freedom is there are folks who can make the rules, and their rules, the rules may actually, they actually may be good rules. Right? I think that the concept of not making graven images on the coins, I think that was a brilliant thing. I think that it really would have offended a lot of Jews if they'd had to buy their sacrifices or make their donations with coins that, that just kind of graded on them spiritually. I think that there's a good rule there. And it's smart to have livestock there so you don't have to travel. And yeah, absolutely wonderful, right? But here's the thing. Good rules... If you leave them in the world's hands and you never check up on them, will be taken to very dark places. Places you would never, ever think of those rules going. And I think that those are the places that offend God. So we can say, we can, we can in our world, we can found some pretty good things. We can do some pretty good 
ideas pursue different rules that are really, really great. But once we start adding in our own sin, our own avarice, our own pride, our own, you know, all of the things that God hates, once we start adding all of those things in, those rules become anything but what God loves. Yeah. And so then the picture here is of Jesus walking into the temple and breaking the rules. Yeah. Pretty, pretty vehemently. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, it's not the only time. He'll do it according to, we're reading from John chapter 2, and, and we stopped here, but really Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell us there's another time that Jesus comes back, and they've just set up the tables again, and he just tears them all down again. Because if it was bad for God once, if it was against what Jesus saw as right once, it will be wrong again a second time, and a third time, and a fourth time. Just redoing it doesn't make it better. Yeah, and I think... This is the worldview piece for all of us, right? What, what God wants is for us to remember that he is our priority in worship, and he is our priority in life. And if we're not walking around with him as our priority in our decision-making and how we process all of the world around us, we're going to slip into these places that just seem practical and helpful, and you end up in a place where you're breaking God's rules to, break, to keep the rules. Right, right. And so I think that's one of the things that's just is so offensive and odious to Jesus in this first passage. Right. We're right. move on to the second one? Let's take the second one. All right, let's take the second one. So Matthew 17 is where we're going next. Um, it's like that scary sword drill thing if you want to flip there or just use your app or just follow along with me. And I'm at the end of uh, Matthew 17, and we're talking again about money here. Um, and this is, this is the passage. Set Matthew 17, I'm going to start in verse 24. And it says, When they came to Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the tax? And he said, yes. And they went and came into the house, and Jesus spoke to him first, saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do the kings of earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And when he said, from others, Jesus said to him, then the sons are free. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea, cast a hook, and take the first fish that comes up. When you open its mouth, you'll find a shekel. Take that and give it to them for me and for yourself. And fascinating little passage. Love this passage. Yeah, Love it, this passage. It's, and um, it's in the anti-TV chapter. Anti-TV? Yeah, yeah. In the anti-TV chapter, because in Matthew 17, Jesus says, tell the vision to no man. That was a really bad dad joke. So, like three of you got it. That's how bad it was. Okay. All right. So... Um, Oh, well, you just threw me off with that mess. <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, another rule. We are encountering another rule around money and also around the temple. Uh, but there is this tax that comes up on a regular basis that needs to be paid. And uh, the, the challenge here, though, is that tax is going to whom? Like, this can be interactive. Who is that tax ultimately going to? Think about it. This is like a tithe, right? That money is ultimately going to God. That's the purpose right. of the tax. Who are they asking who's going to pay the tax? God. Hey, God, are you going to pay the tax to yourself? This is the challenge, right? Because ultimately, this, this cost, this tax, is going to the work of God. It's ultimately giving God money, and Jesus is like, well, that, that's coming back to me. Why do I need to pay it? That's the tension. 
That's the tension that they're feeling here. But there's also this place. Like, there is a rule that exists, and Jesus should technically be under this rule, shouldn't exactly. he? Exactly, yeah. It's been, and it's been, as you said, it's been around since, uh, I think it's Uzziah in the Old Testament, who the temple needed to be repaired, and they, they put a box they put a box in the temple, and they drill a hole in the top, and they say, if you want to give to the temple and support it, just drop, basically just drop the two, a shekel or half a shekel in for every person in your household, and we'll be able to maintain the temple and keep, it was kind of like the first capital campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. ongoing. Forever. Ongoing. Because they didn't have Solomon anymore. No, just exactly. It. So, yeah. So, so, yeah. So, I mean, it's been going, and, and God blessed it. God actually, you know, it's a good thing. And like you said, it's Jesus. This is his house. He, he walks into the temple, drives the money changers out, and he says, you've turned, my, you've turned my father's house into a den of thieves. Yeah. So here he is saying to, saying to Peter, so do we pay that? Right. Tension for Peter. Well, how does he answer this question? Well, I mean, it's a rule, right, Jesus? Like, shouldn't, shouldn't we? Oh, but you're... Um, uh, there are just times yeah. when the rules conflict with the Christian life. Especially the way the world considers them. Right? Uh, and if we're approaching life with this perspective of everything belongs to God, including myself and my decision-making, then there comes a point when it's not super logical to follow the rules. But in this case, Jesus still sends Peter out to collect the tax and pay it. Yeah, because there's in a, a really creative kind of way, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, how many of you are, have gone fishing and found money in your fish? I don't even find fish, but like finding something in that, that's, that's impressive. It's almost like Jesus is saying, I'm going to prove that this money is from me and to me because I'm going to source it in the strangest way possible. Yeah, it's not going to hurt me at all. It's not, it just, yeah, very strange. I like, though, how, why Jesus says it that way. Mm -hmm. It says, however, not to give offense to them. And, and I think that that's kind of, can you have a rule about freedom? Because maybe that's the rule on a lot of these things. There are a lot of things, there are a lot of choices in our world and things that we have to do in our world that really have zero significance in the kingdom of heaven. But they don't, they don't take away from our faith they don't add to the kingdom. They're zeros. And yet, there are so many people who are focused on those zeros that to not offend them, to not create this issue that just sticks in their craw and offends them every single moment that they think of us, Jesus says, we're going to take care of the tax. We'll pay it. So can you think of a thing like culturally lately where we have some freedom, ultimately it doesn't impact the kingdom, but you just go ahead and do it because it's not going to, like, to stand up really hard against it, even though you know you have freedom there, it's going to cause so much offense that you just might as well. Do you really want to go there? <laughs> right? I mean, how, um, how much does this tiny life? I was in a bike shop last week because that's where I go. 
And I, uh, I was down in Lexington, and if you're not, if, if you're from up here in the Merrimack Valley, we're still living in a lot more freedom than they are when you go a little bit further south. And I found that out because uh, I walked into a bike shop in Lexington, and they had, you know, this, I thought, was the standard you need to wear a mask in here, sign that, you know, if you're not vaccinated, put a mask on, sign that every store has. But Lexington changed their mind on that, and they are back to full-on mask usage, which I learned because the mechanic would come, came running out from behind the desk with his box of paper masks. He's like, excuse me, sir, can you put this on for me? <sighs> Dude. Sure. Like, I've got freedom in this. Uh, pastor living in New Hampshire, I was able to get the vaccine like in January. I am comfortable with that. I, I am comfortable with its, uh, its effectiveness. You know, some of you may not be, and we can talk about that later, ultimately. Whatever, freedom, freedom in some ways, yeah. Freedom. But so as to not be a person who drew just incredible offense and like ruined a relationship, yeah, I'll throw that on. Okay. I took it off pretty quick when I got outside. Um, but yeah, it's yeah. okay. There yeah. are a lot of things like this. There are some really personal ones right now that we tend to fight on, and the temple tax is a really personal one that people tended to fight on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this, there's stuff that ties in here, and, and I think some of these start to get really uncomfortable if we actually apply them to life. Our freedoms can give us the space to move about and do some things that the rest of the world gets really tangled over, and it's just sometimes smart to be somebody who doesn't give offense. Yep. But sometimes it's smart to be offensive. How right. do we figure those out? Right. Well, you know, here's so keep this in mind, all right? If I tell you as an unbeliever that you are dead in your sin and you are going to hell, and I tell you as an unbeliever that you are just like every other person in this world and that God hates your sin just as much as he hates every sin I've already created enough offense for today, don't you think? If I tell you that all of the ways that you think that you are going to save yourself and please God are ineffective, in fact, are just filthy rags before God, and if I tell you that the only way you actually ever, ever, ever have any hope of getting into heaven is to ask Jesus to be your Savior, I've already become pretty offensive. So, I think it's more important as a Christian to be offensive for what we are already offending people over, Jesus, than to be offensive over something that doesn't change the kingdom of God in the long run. I think that's the rule. But the freedom. But the freedom. Exactly. Because, you know, it, it, doesn't make, it doesn't make a difference. Does it make a difference in the kingdom? Maybe that's the question you ask. Does it make a difference in the kingdom of heaven? Or is it only something that I struggle with? Exactly. Exactly. We're no longer our own. We're bought with a price. We belong to Jesus. I think the reminder is that my decisions need to reflect the will and desire of my Savior first. Right, right. So here's the last, here's the last guideline. Let's, let's move on to the last yeah. one because otherwise this will be like a full-blown podcast. Full podcast. Yeah, yeah. 
So I think that there are rules from the world that just require a great deal of wisdom for us to address. Okay, because there's no clear-cut answer. Let, let me, well, there is, but there isn't. And, and I want to take you to Matthew 22, last one. Matthew 22, verses 15 to 21. Here it is. Then the Pharisees went and they plotted how to entangle. Like that word? How to entangle. See, a lot of, in a sense, you can get tangled up, folks. You can get tangled up in all of the rules. You can get tripped by what you will and won't do because you think you're applying freedom. Let me go on. They plotted how to entangle him in his words. And they sent their disciples to him, and along with the Herodians. So it's, it, this is a, this is both sides of the both sides of the political aisle in uh, in Israel, saying, "Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, uh, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances." Tell us then, man, what a setup! By the way, do you love that setup? Yay! Tell us then. What do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And Jesus, aware of their malice, love that, said, uh, why do you put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. And then he said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And to God, the things that are God's. Hmm. Now, look, the world is, the world will make rules that will tie you up in knots. Can I give you a point? We, one time we lived on the Ohio River, and um, the Ohio River is, uh, because it's a navigable river in the United States, uh, it is under the control of the, um, under the control of the United States, uh, the, the engineers. engineers. Yeah, the yeah, Army, Army Corps engineers. of Engineers has control of the Ohio River. So there was this guy in our town, and he wanted to build a restaurant and extend some docks into the Ohio River because everybody had restaurants and docks on the Ohio River. So he wanted to extend that by putting in some clean fill, some, some dirt, some fill that would be allowed. But the township didn't want him to do it. So he came to the township, and they said, uh, well, if you're going to put any fill in, it has to be approved by uh, the Department of Environmental Conservation. So he went out, and he researched all of the fill that he could use according to the Department of Environmental Conservation, the EPA. So he comes back to the board, and he has all of his information and all of the stuff that he can use to dump into the river to extend his dock and build his restaurant. And they said to him, Oh, well, does it meet the Army Corps of Engineers status? Which, guess what? It didn't. So you had the Army Corps of Engineers saying one thing, and you had the Environmental Protection Agency saying something else, and they couldn't agree. So you couldn't actually put anything in to add fill to the area because the government actually had made rules that contradicted their rules. Huh. Yeah. Whoever thought of that? Yeah, it's weird. I think one of the things you have to be careful of and be wise about in our world is that you have to be so careful. You have to be aware of ambition 
and avarice in our world. Because ambition, the desire to be first, and avarice, the desire to have the most, will influence rule makers, and it makes it very difficult for those who want to follow, and you have to be very, very wise. Hmm. I get all of that out of this because here's this coin. It belonged to Caesar. Right, and on the one hand, you, we've already talked about how offensive that coin is to so much of the Jewish culture. Yeah. But you also, if you offend the occupiers of your country, and yet at this point, Jesus has the notoriety, he has the ear, people know who he is. So this statement is going to divide. The Herodians, they wanna, they're that side of the aisle that is pro-government and really wants Rome in there. They're benefiting from its presence. Uh, the Pharisees are the guys who are stamping the trees on the, on the coins. They're the ones who hate all of that, but they find unity in hating Jesus. And so here is this chance to at least make one side of the aisle angry enough to hopefully rid Jesus of all of his influence. There you go. And he's able to parse right through what's going on there. Yeah, yeah. Now, you and I aren't Jesus. We don't have a perfect heart and a perfect mind and a perfect relationship with God. One of the struggles that we face is that quite often we will face a dilemma, and rather than entrusting ourselves to God for wisdom in our dilemma, we'll make a... It's a bad decision one way or another, so that you'll just choose the bad decision and live with the consequences. Pick the one that hurts the less. Right, least. Yeah. right. And I think that one of the powers of living in freedom is that it enables us, when faced with a dilemma, to say, God, give me wisdom to handle the direction that I need to, tra- I need to move in choosing the right thing, not not the expedient thing or the lesser of two evils thing. How do I choose the right thing? Yeah, and this kind of ability sets us apart in this world as believers. Mm -hmm. We are unique in that our, what we answer to is not a government or ultimately a company or a family member. What we answer to is, is Jesus. And and that's, again, how we should be making the decisions that we make in this world. And that is the filter, hopefully, you're hearing in this conversation. We filter all of our decisions through what we know of Jesus and what we know of our salvation and our future with him. Ultimately, the decisions that are, the, the rules that our world creates go away. They're non-permanent things. The impact of breaking them may follow you a while. But ultimately, your eternity in heaven is going to make the time that you're spending on earth under these rules seem very, very small. Mm-hmm. And our, our responsibility as lovers and followers of Jesus is to make sure that we're finding the way of Jesus, not the way of expediency. And so in this space where we're trying to make decisions in the middle of two seemingly equal, equally bad pl- places— the wise thing to do is just step back from that in a minute and seek the heart of God in it. Right, right. Maybe not even make a decision. Let God do it. Let God handle it. And when it comes to the time, trust God to work it through. So I think if I were summarizing this effort to move toward a worldview, um, I think, you know, working from bottom to top, it's, it starts with wisdom. It starts, with, it starts with informing yourself as much about the Jesus story, about 
Scripture, about what God did in the Old Testament. It, you, if you are trying to make, if you're trying to make wise decisions that will set you free and keep you free, but you are not conversant in God's Word to a place where it will inform your life and open your eyes to, and give you direction, then you're not wise. I mean, just to think about this, I know we're, I want to make sure we're using our time well, but yeah, to yeah. compound it, think about this. Like, when we read Paul, we're not just reading Paul. When we read Peter, we're not just reading Peter. We are reading um, work given through the Holy Spirit to men who had the rest of Scripture memorized. And I hope you're seeing this this morning, right? Like, um, they're writing in this context of knowing the rest of Scripture. They know the wisdom books. They know the Old Testament. They know the Jesus story. And because they know those things so well, that's when you get books like Galatians and Romans and the Peters and, and, all of, and the prison epistles. You get those because the writers, influenced by the Holy Spirit, knew the rest of the book. Yes. And our job, if we're going to navigate the rules of this world well— is to make sure we know the book. Please. We know it inside and out, and we know it so faithfully and so well that when we get into these places where we're having a hard time making the decision and using our freedom well, that it's influenced because we're so steeped in this, we're like, oh, yeah, I, this, God worked in this way. It was already, I don't have to make this decision. It's already been made. Right, right. And the kingdom is number one. The kingdom is number one. I'm going to be wise in my decisions. I'm going to make decisions that affect the kingdom of God. And if the decision does not directly affect the kingdom of God, then it's a choice. Try not to be too offensive. Try not to be offensive. In it. And then the last of these is, remember that there are people who will take good rules and take them to dark places. Be discerning. Be discerning. Understand where things are going to go and follow through from Scripture. Hmm. Hope you enjoyed this. There is a podcast. I don't know if we've mentioned that yet. Uh, but we I tell dad jokes on the podcast occasionally. They're better than the one he gave earlier most of the time. But not always. I can't make any promises there. But no, we, uh, we do hope that you can find some encouragement in this conversation, though. We want to continue this conversation, not just between the two of us. I, I think that you can probably identify some things in your life where you've come into one of these types of decisions, or you've tried to, like, you've come into this space where there are rules to follow and you're not quite sure how to navigate those. Um, the, the other beautiful thing about being part of a faith community is that, like, we are so steeped, we are all hopefully so steeped in this that when we gather together and have conversations about these things, we can help each other work out where we should go. Maybe even in the cookie and coffee time. Yeah. Or 10 o'clock. Yeah, maybe that time, right? Yeah, yeah. We have um, our, our goal coming up in the, the next few months, like soon this fall, we're going to restart our small groups. Um, yes. Some of those exist already. We're going to have a push for some new ones. Um, that's where all of this stuff happens, where we can work out some of these conversations together. Right. It's where, it's where God's word in the mouths of others improves our wisdom and enables us to live freely. Hmm. I'm going to pray. Let's do it. Let's do that. Father, thanks for freedom in Jesus, for the application of that to our lives. Thank you, Lord, for calling us to be different in this world. Not just, not just 
unthinking followers, but those who measure every single decision by the kingdom of God and the value that it brings to your name. Make us, Lord God, offensive because of the name of Jesus, but without offense because of us. We pray that in your precious name. Amen.